There are trivial beings that believe you will continue listening beyond the events which will now occur. They are wrong. You will grow tired of these sequences, tired of these reminders and overtures to support a work that is but one of many things you could be listening to instead. You will move on to something new, something else, and we, we will be freed. Hello? What time is it? Who is it? Um, I don't know. I... Situation. Dream. 9504938. Sorry, honey. I have to take this. So you drive back to the hotel. I believe you each have a separate room, correct? Yes. I need to make a roll? Interesting. You each go ahead and retire. Pretty exhausted. It's been a, a long couple. Ryan, you uh, hastily scribble through a Sudoku. You really feel like you're ready for the next level. These are too easy. And uh, you take off your shirt, get ready to go to bed. And as you brush your teeth, attend to your, your hygiene, you know you're not going to sleep much, but you're going to give it a go. You turn and you start to walk back towards the bedroom area of your room. You notice something catches your eye in the mirror on your back. You turn and you get closer. You take a, take a look, kind of craning your neck as hard as you can to see what you saw and just impossible to really put your eyes on it well. But in the, in the mirror, you see these blue blotches, stains on your skin, on your right shoulder blade. As you run your hand and fingers over them, they seem to be raised bumps, like a rash maybe. Uh-oh. Does Ryan have Benadryl in his room? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you have an antihistamine. He takes some Benadryl. Got it. Okay. Uh, and starts to, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he has a massively large reaction other than just kind of initial panic and then not going to think about this right now sort of reaction given uh, there is literally nothing he can do. As far as he knows. They seem, as you rub your hands over it, your fingers over it, they seem pliable. Like... Like bloat? Like something beneath the skin that's maybe liquidy, almost like a pimple, but larger, maybe like a boil. Or an eyeball. Do they feel bloated? Would you describe them with the word bloat? They're raised. <laughs> uh, like, 
like large calluses, boils, or enormous pimples. Okay. Like something they just that, like if you get a blue in or color. whatever and it like Yeah, yeah. It, there's a little pliability there. Okay. Like there's a you know, like a water blister, you yes. know? There's something under there. Is he able to like reach it, reach it, or is it like in the If part he really of- Yeah, it's tough. It's it's in that real difficult spot. But yeah, if he really strains himself, he can get his left hand over there. He's gonna call Snediger. See if Snediger answers. All right, one sec. Not gonna tell Porter about this, but Snediger is uh oh, uh Scott. Hey, um not gonna go into much detail, but does do you know of a doctor in the city who is uh very highly discreet but has also seen uh some of our kind of medical issues? Um sorry, I'm just getting up. Um what city? New York. A few. I I need to I need to go into the office and see if there's anything or if I can run anything up the chain. But uh, uh yeah, what's don't. Going on? Do, do, do you have an emergency situation? No. Um, let's keep this between you and me. And if uh, if you can't come up with anything, then no worries at all. I mean, typically when I was doing field work, uh, we'd ask around, find a vet that uh, did some work like this on the sly, pay him in cash up front. <clears throat> kind of our go-to. There's a lot of them out there, man. Okay, thanks. Good luck. He hangs up. Uh, I assume it's like in the middle of the night, right? Yeah, it's a, it's around one thirty now. I'm not gonna like start calling up vets then. I'll just uh, make it as a mental. So no, you don't want to make a midnight vet appointment, right? <laughs> a mental so, note uh, to uh, try to the, find some the, kind of creepy vet. You have significant criminology on your character sheet. I'll remind you. Yes. Um, that does avail you to a particular skill that allows you to ask certain questions to the right type of people to locate disreputable skill sets such this as this part of the uh, instructions that you posted that I, I think it read? is i think it is but but in general that's a great use of criminology <laughs> is asking around for disreputable <laughs> folks with interesting skill sets so if you need a safe cracker like you might be able to actually locate a safe cracker in the future okay well i will based on my criminology know whether or not now is a good time to start to asking around for yeah, some there's a few there's folks. a few great bars in the city where you could start uh schmoozing and asking the right questions in the right way potentially okay then ryan will go to one of those haunts cool despite the fact you took ultra drowsy benadryl uh you feel that great. was a joke because of me being a Didn't dumb, dumb piece of shit Despite the fact you took the ultra drowsy Benadryl, you just feel great. You don't feel drowsy at all. Oh, would you look and at that? You start making Alien your way. Alien bacteria doesn't love Benadryl or doesn't care about Benadryl. Huh. You start making your way to some of these haunts and you roll your criminology. That, friends, is a success. Well done. Is your intention to meet with a vet tonight or to set something up for tomorrow. It's a little easier tomorrow, but it's a, just let me know what your intention is and I'll narrate. Tonight, depending on the immediacy. If it's, uh, yeah, you know what? No, tonight. I'd rather, um, it, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. So let's just do it tonight. Well, what ends up happening is you meet with a youngish gentleman at a closed down veterinary clinic that is across the water in New Jersey. As you enter through the back, you've been corresponding with this this man via text. You walk by several cages holding sick animals, pets, and uh, he gets you on a dog-sized stationary gurney. He looks tired, but focused. Okay, so 
You're not shot. I can see that. Uh, what did you want me to take a look at? Brian just pulls his shirt up and turns around. Huh. He says. You can't see his face, but he's silent. Uh, is this like a chemical burn, or what am I looking at here? I, uh, it feels like it, uh, might likely be more, um, potentially from an infection, but, uh... An infection? Not like a fungal? Yeah, maybe it's just too a... sure. I've got some antifungals. Not great for, uh, your species, but... Hmm, let me think. Uh, does... Do they hurt? Uh, Chris, do they hurt? No, it's just exactly as I described. It's like a water blister, but no pain. Uh, no. No pain. Okay. Uh, let me try something. You hear him moving around behind you. All right, I'm gonna, gonna just kind of scrape one of these a little bit. You feel pressure on your back as cold metal is applied to one of these strange splotches or raised bumps. And he begins scraping, scraping. Huh, he says. Uh, did that hurt? No. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Keep scraping, scraping, scraping. You just feel pressure. And that interminable scraping. This is so gross. So I think I got it all off. Um, just flaked off like old skin, he says. It looks all right back there now, just a little little raw. Let me get you some antifungal. But you're going to need <laughs> you're gonna need to get something else. This is uh, not great. Feel a cold cream pressed on your skin, on your back. You can put your shirt back on now. Listen, there's a couple of products you can just get over the counter that you should apply to this. Gives you a name of a couple of a uh, couple of medications, but uh, if that spreads or anything, give me a give me a ring. Appreciate the help. As discussed, he holds out his hand. I pay him. Yeah, you do. It uh, costs twelve hundred dollars for this. Okay, I pay him in cash. You make your way back to the hotel. It's gonna be around six thirty in the morning when you get back. Okay. I'll stop by a twenty-four hour pharmacy to get those uh, OTCs. They're like uh, mild cortisone, and there's an antifungal as well. All right, all right. The saga continues. Okay, I have another vignette. Thank you all for being so patient. Uh, that was what the 1D4 was for. Oh, little peek behind the screen there, Chris. Agent Paris, your skull feels like it's been stuffed with cotton, filled to the brim until about to burst. You've suffered a fairly bad hangover or two in your day, but this is something else. Your eyes flutter open. It takes a beat or two for you to realize something is wrong. Extremely so. This isn't your bunk back at base. It's not the room at the Homewood Suites. You sit up, the bleariness in your eyes and the fogginess in your head soon chased away by the steady pumping of cortisol into your blood as your breath quickens. You are on a plastic sheet and it crinkles uncomfortably as you shift to a seated position. No, 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 wait, there's plastic everywhere. And it's cloudy, so it's hard to tell what kind of room you're in. There's duct tape haphazardly applied across every surface, pinning these sheets together and in place. Even the ceiling has an unceremonious set of plastic strips appended, dipping down a bit in places where gravity tugs on the poor tape job. And it's freezing in here. And that's exacerbated by the fact you aren't wearing anything but your undergarments. Your flesh bristles at the cold. There's a plastic-covered wheeled table next to you. Maybe a gurney? And then you see him. A man. He's seated maybe six, eight feet away from you. He's sitting in a school cafeteria-style 
yellow plastic chair. He's wearing a white vinyl jumper. There's no insignia, blue nitrile gloves, and shoe covers. A set of brown tinted goggles over rounded silver glasses, a clear plastic face shield, and a small yellow respirator with hexagonal filter cartridges around his neck. There's a small gray metal cylindrical tank next to his chair with an odd looking trigger attachment on the top. It's about the size of a backup oxygen tank. You're uncertain if you've seen him before and with the hood of his suit so tightly pulled over his scalp and his chin, it's difficult to be sure. You try to commit a few things to memory despite your rising adrenaline, maybe 5'9", 5'10", hard to tell where he's seated, right-handed, or at least holding the pistol in his right, dark complexioned, maybe Mediterranean or Middle Eastern, thick black mustache and beard. Stand up, he says. Uh, okay, let me think about this. Paris, so I've got, literally I've got no clothes on. Uh, you uh, have your undergarments. So oh, okay, let's get that. Whatever those might be. If you do not wear undergarments, then you are indeed nude. <laughs> and you've described everything that I can see at this point. So searching or extra analysis won't, won't result of any extra information. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have a chance to run a real search at this point. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, who are you? Stand up, he repeats. Uh, Paris carefully stands up. Don't do it. I will shoot you. I know what you're thinking. I can make it. I can take the gun. I can find my way out. But you can't. So just calm down. Breathe. Listen. You're here for one thing. And then you'll be back in your room like nothing happened. You won't be hurt. So just listen and do. Look at the table. Uh, he mentioned a gun. I looked. Did I see a gun? It's in his he has hand. a gun in his right hand trained at oh. you. Oh, he got okay. All right, there we go. Yeah. His finger is pointed like a gun. <laughs> this is a weird time. What was, that, what was that bizarre like comic series you had me read, Chris? The in- Invisibles, I think. Invisibles, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, sounds like some invisible bullshit. He's actually got his hand as a gun, but it's just uh-huh. as dangerous. It's yeah. just as dangerous. Yep. <laughs> so my human just garbage. I'm trying to think if there's anything I can do to like. You can always still roll it, dude. You, it, like roll whatever you want. You might, you might pass. If not, you get a check. That's a good point. Yeah. So I'll, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to judge, try to get a read on this guy if he's, if he's planning on killing. You know, if he's gonna shoot me no matter what I do, or if he's genuinely just trying to like have a I conversation get it. with me. I get it. I'll, I'll give you anything you can glean from body language and his uh, vocal intonation so far. So roll. All right, here we go. Nope, that's definitely a fail. So there you go. He seems extremely serious. <laughs> Great. Uh, I look at the table. You turn to your right, taking the top of the gurney in now. See, there's an orange box there. It's rectangular in shape. It's perhaps about a foot long lengthwise, maybe half a foot deep. It's got a powerful looking metal latch, hinges. See, the metal surface is scuffed, scratched, empty screw holes dotting it periodically. Next to the box, you see a small plastic tray. There's a few implements on it, notably a wicked looking scalpel, set of metal probes, something that looks like a set of small pruning shears, and a pile of metal T-pens. Now, open the box. I, uh, <laughs> I've got no sleeves to hide anything anyway, so it doesn't matter. I open the box. Your breath leaves your body when you see what's inside. And you're no shrinking violet. The insect is enormous, some sort of abnormally large dragonfly thing with a thick yellow bulbous thorax, 
You see it has several rows of bristling and hinged legs of various sizes, reaching upward towards you in a silent rictus. Its colors are sickly gray otherwise, with lighter clusters of hair or wispy tendrils around its head. Two dull, forward-facing eyes gaze blindly upward. The smell from the box is perhaps that of a heavy preservative. It causes your eyes to water. Pick up one of the pins. I follow his instructions. You follow his instructions. And at one point, he asks you to pick up the scalpel and create an incision vertically down the center of the arthropod. You do so and continue to follow what seem to be instructions for a simple dissection. The last time you did this was maybe in seventh, eighth grade, small kind of rotten frog. The bottom of the box has some sort of pliable foam material and you use that to pin back various layers that you discover within this creature's thorax and abdomen. He guides you expertly until you've basically sweat now covering your brow despite the cold of the room made this thing it's completely opened up before you. You're not sure how much time has passed, but your heartbeat is still throbbing in your temples. And now, gleeful supplicant, you see the wisdom of Jada Higla unfolded before you. How do you respond? Sorry, give me a second to think about that. Alright, Spirit says, um, yeah. Sorry, what was that name again? You look over, the man nods. You see him pull up his respirator, snaps across his mouth and his nose, reaches to his right, picks up the canister, and you see him point, pull the trigger on it. You hear a very loud hiss emerge from it. It continues continues. Does he still have the gun trained on me? He does. I take the scalpel. Does this sound weird? I'm gonna take the scalpel and just make a small cut on the inside of my hand. just want to make sure this is a real thing that's happening to me. He furrows his brow. You can see that. And then raises his eyebrows in some indication maybe of recognition. You're just not sure. Before long, your vision starts to go bleary again. I just stare him down the whole time. At least as long as I can stand. Your vision goes tunneled, and before long, you feel like you're running down a dark and unlit cavern. Suddenly, there's light. You start up in your bed, fully dressed in the Homewood Suites in New York City. It's morning. I look at my hand. Is there still a cut there? It's scabbed over, but yes. Scabbed over, okay. And, oh man, do I remember the name? Do you remember the name? <laughs> no, I can't. What you said. Does Paris remember the name of the... We can do an intelligence minus 20% to see if you retain that in that traumatic event in affair. I do not. It's It sounded like gibberish to you. How am I feeling? Like tired or rested? You feel exhausted. What time is it right now? Team, when typically do you get your day started? Early. Seven. Seven or so? Seven. Early. Cool. It's 6.55 a.m. Okay, yeah. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to ascertain how long... Yes. Like, I, yeah. I understand, definitely. Yeah, I so guess. yeah, when you start up in your bed, 6.55 a.m., you went to bed maybe around 1, 1.30. But you gained the title of supplicant. <laughs> gleeful, in fact. Gleeful supplicant. Very excited, very excited. <laughs> no, he just, Paris just... <laughs> very excited. Goes, goes on about it. He just, <laughs> very excited. This is fantastic. Yeah, Paris just, just goes back to his normal... He's like, all right, let me get my shit together, get... You know, get dressed, get showered, head down and meet the team. Okay, well, you're just going to eat at the Homewood Suites. It's it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful continental spread. Fresh fruit, eggs, a little bit of sausage. It's the good stuff. 
Sponsored so, uh, by Homewood Suites. There we go. There you go. Y'all are seated at a small circular table. There's quite a few folks here eating as well. It's fairly busy. It's a nice lobby. In the nice, spirit uh, of reverse area. railroading, uh-huh. can I say that we are sitting around talking about the email that Porter sent us with all of the information we wanted? Well, now you're just railroading us. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> Unless you're in character. I'm so sorry. Never mind. <laughs> Who's railroading who here? <laughs> no, y'all, y'all did not receive an email from Porter um, overnight, unfortunately. But yeah, you're you're there together with the events of the prior evening still fresh. Everybody sleep okay? <laughs> Look a little grumpy, Paris. Yeah, no, I'm fine. All right, tuck into some uh, rehydrated scrambled eggs. These are the real thing, my friend. You're getting treated Ooh, to the best, day. best of the this best. Is, this is Homewood Sweets. Homewood right. Sweets <laughs> represent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a real place? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I looked up nice hotels in New York, and that was one of them. Oh, great. A real interesting start to We are breakfast, and uh, I guess we got to do some, some more sleuth in a boot. Yeah, what's the plan, team? Are y'all just waiting, still waiting for Porter? Is that basically the plan? Oh, I can't think of anything. I'm reading my I notes. I can't think of Sorry. anything else. Well, it's not until around 1 p.m., you do get a call from the hotel, wherever you're located, that a clerk has left a package for you at the front desk. And all of you retrieve this package, take it up to one of your rooms. Ryan, if you're amenable, you can... Uh, I am not. Can bring... Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> Ryan shuts the door in Ryan. your faces and says, I'll let you know what I find. Ryan is perfectly fine to have everybody to his suite. Excellent. It looks like this is a package of papers that seems completely irrelevant to your case. Looks like some sort of treaties on a development that was denied its permitting, 1988, somewhere in Appalachia. You can't really tell. It's pretty vague. But as you flip through, you do find there are some items of note. One is obviously a juvenile record report on a Michelle Lee, 14 years of age at the time. It vaguely outlines two minor offenses as you read through. This did occur in in New York, by the way. Marijuana possession and battery. This battery is listed as gang-related, although there there are no additional details. You also have hastily written on a post-it an address. When you plug this into your computer, it is an address in Chinatown. looks to be a small apartment in the middle of the busy streets. There's also a phone number on the same post-it scribbled down. Otherwise, it's just a lot of uh, useless paperwork, looks like. Beautiful. That's what we need. Head to the address. Let's do it. Maybe call first? Maybe track the number. I mean, unless you guys want to just show up. I'll follow your lead. Can we trace the number or see if we get some more info on what that number leads to? Definitely. Or at least Google it. You can Google it. You can pay the 20 bucks to do the limited background service on it. That's pretty quick return. There's a, there's a lot of fun stuff you can do. You can call up the, the service provider and, and subpoena them for phone records with some sort of law roll. It's all sorts of great stuff. Such up to you. What do you want to do? Paris just types the number into his phone on Google. Yeah, nothing too obvious. You can definitely pay a, um, a fee to trace the owners of the phone number and you know what the current service area is. It's 1999 through pretty much any typical online background service. Would you like to do that? I don't think I have a way to do that without giving up my... Yeah, you need a credit card or something. It would be, it'd be my name connected or like to this, a, this phone number. Some sort of interesting crypto to PayPal setup that you have. Horizon yeah, hands over a prepaid Visa card. Thanks, Rosen. And yeah, so I'll put the numbers in. Yeah, it's registered to a Michelle Lee 
It's been in her name since its inception. It is an AT&T number. Really, that back to the team. Yes, Michelle Lee's number. Looks like we'd like to pay her a visit. This is where we go. Safe to say, if we call that number, she's not going to answer. So let's go to the house. She shouldn't answer. It would be interesting if somebody did, though, and who they were, but I currently... Good point, Ryan. You go right ahead. I can't think of a cover for, uh, <laughs> unless it was potentially on something that she lost, but can't think of anything in particular that would that would work well right now. So on to the apartment. Sounds good. What is our cover getting into the apartment, boys? Just kind of walk in. <laughs> break in, Visiting I guess. a friend that also lives there. <laughs> yeah. And what do we tell her mother that she lives oh, with? I thought we're the government. <laughs> we can do what we want. <laughs> and then we do what we want. <laughs> I don't hate that idea. <laughs> I don't hate the bullying the bullying route here. I think maybe the bullying route is uh if she's not a, if her mother is not as familiar with well, that's just making all kinds of assumptions about what her mother knows about her rights. Correct. Well, you push her way in to say, "Hey, we're exactly yeah, we're investigating. <laughs> we're make if we're in an, it's an investigation. Sit, sit down. Would you like a cup of coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That kind of shit. Would you like a cup of coffee? I would. Would you make me a cup of coffee? <laughs> I think We're the government. That's the energy we should go in with. We want coffee. <laughs> oh, this is really good coffee. Where do you get it from? Was your daughter in hypergeometric gang? <laughs> Y'all drive your CDC van towards the Unmarked the CDC van. Thank <laughs> towards you the much. location of this home. Again, you have no choice on the busy streets of now Chinatown which is extremely busy this time of day, to double park, which you do with a plum. And you make your way to what you see now is a shabby apartment perched above a consignment vinyl record shop. You walk up the stairs, find yourselves in front of a dingy looking, uh, flimsy looking door. Oh, sorry, I don't want to pause real quick. Paris looks like, should we leave somebody downstairs just to kind of keep an eye out? I mean, let's say the uh, over-enthusiastic FBI agent should show up. Well, do you want to just circle the uh, the block and... and uh... I mean, I, could, I can hang out front and text you guys if there's something coming on. If you need to move. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay out with the van. So Paris just kind of posts up near the front door. Okay, again, so you're going to stay at the top of the stairs, in front of the door. Royce and you're going to stay in the van, double parked. Yes. Just to be clear, the van is not right in front of the consignment shop. You did have to park a couple of blocks down. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah, this way she can randomly circle the block. If she needs to. Got it. Okay. Just just wanna just wanna make sure that's fine. And Paris is there specifically, you know, keeping an eye out for let's just say our investigation should run into the other official investigation. Give the guys a heads up to get out of there. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. So that you're not sense. gonna be up you're not gonna be up near the front of the apartment. You'll be down at the bottom near the front of the consignment shop, keeping your eyes peeled for FBI. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That all makes sense to me. And so it is just Prentice and Ryan who are now in front of this dingy and flimsy door to ostensibly Michelle Lee's apartment and her mother's home. Uh we knock on the door. I am not going to reproduce the mother's accent, but I will tell you, she, she does not speak English well. She has broken English. The door opens, and you see a very short Asian woman with gray hair. She's wearing a blouse and a, a turquoise dress. She doesn't say anything. When she opens the door, she peeks from around the corner. Hello, ma'am. Can we uh, have a few moments of your time to ask about your daughter? Her face goes through a few phases. The first is what you think is maybe worry, then anger, and then almost surrender. 
She says nothing. She just looks down at the ground, and then she opens the door wide, motions you to come inside. And so we do. You file in to the small apartment. It's cramped here. In fact, moving through this front hallway, within a few steps, you're, you're already in the kitchen. The kitchen is nothing more than a small half fridge and a microwave stacked on top of a couple of large crates, it looks like. She says, what did that girl do now? When is the last time you saw your daughter? Days ago, she says, a little bit of anger, sharpness in her tone of voice. We're just investigating something right now, so could we take a look at her room? What did she do? We're trying to find her. Her brow furrows. Can you point us in the direction of her room, please? Yes. Yes. She walks past you, back towards the hallway, moves through a right entryway into a small and unkempt room, to say the least. There's a mattress on the floor, but otherwise it seems to have the accoutrements of a young woman, early 20s. Is there a Chris, I'll deposit? defer to you on like how effective a search roll would be. I mean, as we look across stuff, is there is there a desk? Is you know is there a closet? Can we look in the closet? That kind of shit. I don't sure. Know how much you want? Sure. How specific you want us to be here? Let's let's not call for a search roll yet. You scan over this small room and you see pictures attached to an, a mirror. You see a small, cheap-looking dresser. Again, the mattress on the floor, clothes piled up corners nothing's looking of too much interest walk over to the to the mirror and pictures of some good-looking boys looks like some magazine cutouts there's also some pictures of who you recognize as likely michelle lee with friends the mother stands in the doorway watching you chris who would you say is the best looking boy the best looking boy out of all the 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 good-looking boys yes Let's see here. Who's the best boy? The most handsome, you mean? Well, obviously, it's a, a man with a shaved head and a beard. Yeah, I'm trying to tattoos. think. Uh, who, who looks smiling? I'm pretty who sure we actually specified they were all boys. So I don't <laughs> think any of them are men. You don't recognize anybody else in these photographs. <laughs> even the good looking boys, they, they escape you. Not Their even names. Shang Chi from Mulan? Not even. God damn it. Whoever that is. Isn't that the name of the, the, the Mulan's fella? No, you mixed, you mixed Marvel's Shang-Chi with Disney's Mulan. I guess Whatever. they're all Disney now. But Shang that's all Disney. was the guy's <laughs> name in both places. Nah. Whatever. <laughs> nah. Let's get down to business. Yeah, let's do that. Prentice takes a picture of uh, one of the pictures of Michelle. Can we take a look in the closet? These are photographs with her with other other folks, men, women. There's a few large groups. Yeah, but again, nothing you, you recognize. There is no closet. There's a small, cheap-looking dresser and clothing on the floor. Is there anything behind the dresser? It's a really, like, 
small dresser, gotcha. cheap, but there's nothing behind it except for dust, cobwebs. Yum, yum, yum. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you familiar with any of the people she's been going around with lately? That girl rarely stayed here, mostly with her boyfriend, hanging out with and those others ones, she says. And who is her boyfriend currently? Jerry, she says, with some venom in her voice. Jerry Wong. He's scum. Does he live in the neighborhood? I don't know. She looks a little deflated when she finally answers. I don't know, but that's his picture there. She nods back towards the the mirror. I take a picture of uh, Jerry. So you not sure which one of these good-looking boys is Jerry, so she comes over. Could you point to Jerry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she comes over and uh, shows you the photograph. And there's quite a few in this photograph, actually. A few good-looking boys? Or a few photographs no, just, of Jerry? No, just one good-looking boy, and that happens to be Jerry. She points towards this particular photograph. She shows you one of the men in the photograph who has his arms around Michelle Lee is Jerry Wong. The other individuals in the photograph all seem to be of Asian descent. One is disturbingly tall, standing behind the group, leaning against one of the many vehicles that are parked in the photograph's frame. Is he a slender man? He is actually quite gaunt, yes. Mm. Do you know where he works or where he hangs out? No, I, I have his phone number, but he never answers. We'd love that number if you can give that to us. She nods. She leaves the room for a moment, comes back later producing the phone number on a small pad of paper. Here. All right. He's bad. He, he and all of them, they, are, they are, do, do bad things like criminal things, she says. Yeah, that's why we're looking for them. Now, Michelle, it's not her fault. I believe you. I believe you. These boys do look like bad boys. They're, uh, a, bad, they're a bad influence and something happened to her. She, you see tears start to well up in the woman's eyes. She... She was vulnerable. She doesn't seem to get anything else out. Prentice meets her eyes and says, I'm very sorry. When was the last time you saw her? Three, four days ago. Is there any other information that you could give us that might help us find her? She wouldn't take her medicine. She's disappeared before. What medicine was that? For for the voices. She was sick. She points to her own head when she says this. Has that been going on a long time? When she turned 14... She she started having problems. All her grades, she trails off a bit. She's having trouble. She just won't take her medicine. Did she ever tell you about... She runs around with scum. She suddenly gets a little bit more fire back into her voice. What do you mean by that? What do she they do? Won't take her medicine. She's getting into God knows what. Runs around with scum. She looks again at the photograph when she says it. Well, thank you. You've provided us with a lot of good information. Thank you. Tell her, meets tell her, Ryan's eyes. tell her to come home. Her demeanor softens again. Do you, before we leave, do you uh, happen to have a bottle of her medicine that we can see? She nods slowly. She takes you to the small bathroom, single bathroom in the apartment, produces a prescription bottle. It, uh, mm. it's from, ni- it's from 2019. It's fairly old. It looks like. Sure. What's the medication? Luracidone. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's the best one. Let's all take Loracidone to smile better. Prentice makes eye contact with Ryan and kind of throws him a questioning glance and says, I think we have enough. Yeah, thank you very much again for for all of the help. And uh, if we see your daughter, we'll tell her to come home. She nods to herself. She shows you. Yeah, I'd like to 
roll loracidone to see what it's good for. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're not really a an antipsychotic prescribing physician. So yeah, yeah, you can roll a, a pharmacy plus 20. Doesn't he have the app? Anapass? Yeah, so you kind of think back and you know this is one of these atypical antipsychotics. It's a different kind of class of drug. It's not like Thorazine, which is very powerful antipsychotic. It's really used to try to help restore the balance of certain natural substances in the brain. It's associated with diagnoses of schizophrenia, depression, bipolar disorder, other mood disorders. Interesting. And it does nothing to the humors. Interesting. Yeah, and it doesn't pull in the, the more healthy others either. Yeah. Okay, well, you can't, you can't win them all with every one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to go ahead and thank her for her time and see our way out. And so, Paris, thankfully, despite the busyness of, of the street, you did not spot anything of suspicion that would that would cause you pause. Royzen, same with you. You had a couple of people yell at you to move your, your vehicle, but you obviously did not. If you want, you can all be back together in the vehicle and on your way to another location or... Yeah, we're going to brain dump what we've just learned. Uh, she had a boyfriend, Jerry. We've got his phone number. We're going to need to look him up and where we can find him. It's another $19.99 to find out where the phone is registered to. You have an address for Jerry Wong, who this service is registered to. The address is, is actually fairly close. It's only about 12, 16 blocks away. You go ahead and double park now in front of a building with a, a buzzer panel in front of it. Looks like it's a, an apartment building that uh, has a little bit more security than the last one you were at. Okay. Should we uh, stick out for a bit or? Sure. I mean, we could try try calling a cell phone. Yeah, and let's see if, call, uh, pretend to, we could even be probably a telemarketer or something and Sure, you go right ahead. Sure. You call the phone, and there is no answer. It goes to voicemail. And what does that voicemail say? It has no message that is beyond the robot. Oh, dang. Okay. All right, I guess we'll just have to go on in. Okay, well, it is locked. What, are you going to, like, break down the do door? We, like, do tell we, me what you're going to do. Sorry, uh, do we hear nice. a ring inside okay. the apartment? All right, so we're in front of a, a four-story building full of apartments, there is a security, there's a security area, a double door entryway on the outside where you guys are located. There's a buzzer panel with the buttons for each one of the apartments inside. Okay. Suppose one so of us we don't open. hear the bu- the ring. <laughs> oh my God. No, you cannot hear anybody's cell phone inside of the building from here. Even with all of Ryan's extra. Roll your alertness. And, okay. There we go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay, I guess we'll, we'll uh, what, what's our... I mean, if, if y'all want to buzz them, I'd say just one of us go up there does it, so, you know, it doesn't blow yep. the cover of the rest of us. Aren't there names sure. on the buzzer panel? Nope, there's just numbers. But we do have his address, so we do yeah. know which He's on the He's list. on the third floor, you know exactly what the address is from the registration of, of the service yep. of the phone. Let's go ahead and buzz it. Cool, there's no answer. Interesting. Weird question, has anyone here seen the music video... BC Boys, three MCs and one DJ, one DJ. I have. Okay, so remember in the beginning when uh, the guy's trying to get into the building? It's in New mm-hmm. York, and he's literally just like stands right at the door, and as soon as somebody opens up, they don't try to hold it for him, but it's like he just goes in and just yeah. We could. We I could do remember that. We could literally try that. It's like <laughs> kind of a meme with everything New York. That's not just one music video. <laughs> well, I just, it's just I, I, that that's the image that came to my mind. I was like, we could gotcha. just do that. Or I've seen somebody that presses every button on the apartment. Hey, guys, try this out. Thing. I'm glad you've seen yeah. it all. Let's play Can the game. Go ahead and do that. Do it. Doing it. Doing it. 
All right, so pressing all the buttons. Prentice just presses them all. Yeah. Yep. After about the eighth press, you hear the door click open. Gonna open that door. You guys walk right in, and you can either take the stairs or the elevator up to the third floor. Just let me know. Stairs. Okay. Stairs. You guys walk stairs, up the yeah, dirty, trash-strewn stairway and make your way to Jerry Wong's apartment. You're now standing in front of a wooden door. It's locked. Paris puts his ear up to the door to see if he hears any any noise or activity in the inside. Roll your alertness, please. Hey! Critical success. Love critical success. I hear what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's yeah. how that works. You have a, you have a telepathic breakthrough. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good, that's how it works. That's how you get ESP, ESP in this game. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, critical success, 22. You listen, holding up your finger to the others, and cup your ear against the door. A little bit below head height. All you can hear is what sounds like the movement of air from an HVAC of some sort. Sickly rattling sound, but uh, you don't hear any footsteps, no talking, no television set, nothing. Cool. So I, I got a critical critical success, and I can confirm that their air conditioning is working. It needs a repair, though, probably. Might need a repair, yeah. <laughs> I don't hear anything. I don't... Either no one's home or they're sleeping. Okay, so I think we're safe to go on in. Prentice is just going to try the door, see if it's unlocked. Uh, I already said it's locked. Let's see. Prentice does not have any skills beyond being a surgeon. How, how sturdy <laughs> are the locks on this door? Uh, they're just typical locks that you would see. So normal sturdiness level, whatever that is. Okay, are we talking deadbolts or... If there's a deadbolt on the other side, you can't see it from here. There could be. All you all you see here is, is one on the single... Yeah, let's try knocking first. Paris just gives it a knock. Cool. There's no answer. Anyone want to jimmy the lock here? Bureaucracy? Yeah, you could work your way through the ownership structure of this building and potentially get a super to come here, I guess, and open the door for you. Is that let's what you're thinking? That. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to a computer somewhere and start doing some research about who owns this, this spot. Just, can we just break the door? <laughs> are the hinges on the inside or the outside? They're on the inside. It'd be pretty bad if they were on the outside. I mean, you never know. <laughs> it's true. You never know. It's a good question. You never know. In New York, you never know. Mm-hmm. Anyone uh, able to pick a lock? Nope. Sadly, no. Well, I might have some explosives in my backpack. Okay. <laughs> I think you guys need to call Porter and just say, "Hey, we can't do this job. This 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 yeah. op's not for please, us." Please be mad at us. <laughs> was, there, was there a a fire escape on the outside of the building? There is. It. I'll, I'll just meta that. Um, there, there's one on the one of the other sides of the building that you wouldn't have seen from your approach. But nothing that goes up next to the windows of this apartment. Potentially, from this side. But you you actually have like a fire escape plan by the stairwell, and you can see that that's not the case for his apartment. I was like, can we just make a luck roll on that? So bureaucracy it is. Yeah, yeah, let's let's go do that. Let's do it. Yeah. I think Chris was hoping we'd just break it down. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, this is your game. If you guys want to leave, that's fine too. Or yeah, if you want to wait around, so or if you want to stake it out. I'm not disappointed <laughs> at all. That's right, we could stake it out. Yep, you could you could stake it out. This, we have this his pup. Is... We have his we have his picture, we know what he looks like. Why don't we head back down to the van and yeah, that's a good idea. Take a beat. Okay. Come down for that. Um, okay. Well, when we head down, Paris does a walk around the building to see if there's any other ways in or out that they may have missed. Yeah. So when you walk around the other side, there's the aforementioned fire escape. You know, it's not going to be easy, but somebody could 
maybe climb to the third level there if they were able to get themselves to that that first <laughs> that first level or somehow lower the the ladder there from below and then climb around the corner of the building gripping the side of the brickwork there's an open window to jerry wong's apartment uh, yeah so i should have clarified I'm, I'm more looking to see if there's other ways that other people could be going in and out of the building without us seeing them since we're about to do a stakeout like so if we got people in the front watching the front door are there any other entrances that people who live there could use that's what i'm looking for right now no uh, that you can see from out here ryan's gonna turn to paris and say hey come on man you're pretty athletic you don't think you can uh you can get up there? Yeah, I'm not shimming around the, shimming around the side of the building. That's, yeah, fair, that's not fair enough, fair enough. There are some nice cars parked out here in the back, though, which is interesting. A red Lexus. Uh, so uh, just just for clarification, the area we're in is, is kind of run down, and so you're saying the cars are uncharacteristically nice for the area that we're in? Yeah, they're clearly gang it, members. It's, it's surprising to see a nice polished red Lexus back here in yeah this kind of dilapidated alleyway behind yeah not the best not the best apartment in, in chinatown paris snaps photos of the um license plates and looks over at ryan and says hey why don't we send this back to our uh friendly over in the uh, precinct uh, that's a good idea yeah, he could run these plates for us and helps us might help him too did we get anywhere else that jerry wong hangs out with from uh, michelle lee's mom no but there were nice cars in in the in the photograph so you're probably in the right place. Yeah, I was more of just like, okay, if he's not here or if he's dead, is there anywhere else we can kind of go to try to find him? Yeah, unfortunately, like Michelle Lee's mother is also searching for her daughter. Right, and right. and she's going to be doing that for the rest of her life. Yikes. Oh, boy. Paris Silver rises. Hey, can you, um, wait, did you, did you email the guy or did you text the guy? We have his phone number. He gave us his cell phone number, right? His direct line? He gave you his card. Yeah. And that, does a card got his, like, his info. I think it's safe to assume that his general contact means are, are probably on the card. So work yeah. phone, cell phone. We also know he's on the graveyard shift, and this is probably a little early for him, but, I mean, you could give him a go. I'm just going to text the plate number. It's like, hey, what am I going to write to him? It's like, hey, thanks for the help earlier. Would you mind checking a plate for us? It might be of interest to both us and you. And then I'm going to give him the plate number. Cool. There's no response right away. And then... Paris is going to head over to the uh, CDC van, non unmarked CDC van, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let it go. Still unmarked. Still unmarked. <laughs> CDC Some van. asshole has spray painted CDC on the side of this van. <laughs> well, kids, ah, dang it! Kids these days. We've been made. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Covers blown, boys. Uh, and, uh. and just like. Gets ready for a stakeout, I guess. We Time got- to buy a bunch of junk food and coffee. So again, busy street. We are double parked. This is not the primo stakeout spot for people who want to stay. Oh, well, could we, uh, I don't know what we would roll if to there's find another, If there's another, if there's a good approach, do you guys want to like be standing around? Um, like what, what's, what's your, your, your approach here? Well, I, I guess knowing the area, would we, with our skills, would there's something we'd roll to say like, yeah, we want to find... We want to find an ideal stakeout yeah. spot. Roll your, you roll your stuff. Success. 12 out of 50. Van's not an option just because of the way the streets are set up. So that has to be parked a little bit of ways. But uh, you're able to kind of post up at certain corners of the street with full view of the alleyway in and out of the, of the, the front of the building. Just no eyes on, on the back of the building unless you want somebody to post up back there. 
Yeah, Royson will grab a baseball cap and her cell phone and stand back there, make it look like she's waiting on a call or something. Okay. And let the waiting begin. The sun begins to climb in the sky. Noon, inches by, realize you've been standing, keeping eyes on this apartment building for about three, four hours now. There's been very little traffic in and out of the building itself, but those who have left, none of them match the description, or I'm sorry, the image of Jerry Wong from the photograph. Royson, yes. as you're waiting in the back, you see a man, very tall, very tall. He's in a nice, finely pressed black suit. He's wearing sunglasses. He's got a trim mustache, goatee. He rounds the corner, walks past you, straight towards the nice looking, polished red Lexus. You hear it beep and chirp cheerily as he approaches. He opens the driver's door. Risen's just gonna watch, but she's gonna try to get a picture of him discreetly. Kind of like make it look like Roll she's stealth. playing a phone game. Roll stealth. Oh, that's a fail. Just shy. So you're trying to surreptitiously take a picture of, of this gentleman. As he steps into his vehicle, he locks eyes directly with you. And there's this moment where your breath just catches in your throat. You see a flicker of recognition on his face. He frowns deeply, closes the door, starts his engine, and begins to back up out of the alley away from you. Uh-oh. Raisin's, Raisin's gonna call the boys and let them know what's going on. Cool. So, go ahead and do that. Who are you calling? Uh, Ryan. Ryan, your phone rings from Raisin. Hey, what's up? So the owner of that Lexus just showed up, got in the car. He got a good look at me and... I'm pretty sure he recognizes me from somewhere. Did you recognize him at all? No, but he's he's really tall. Uh, okay. Did you get the, the plates of the specific car he was in? I mean, it's that red Lexus that's been sitting out here. I wrote oh, the plate gotcha. numbers. Bryson would have written, written the plate numbers down ages ago. Actually, we sent the plate numbers over to... Did he, uh, did he drive off or say anything to you or... No, nothing, but he, he did leave. Okay. You okay to stay back there, or do you want to switch off? I'll stay. Might not be a bad idea for someone to come keep me company for a minute, though. No problem. I'll ask Paris to, to meet you back there. So Ryan's going to hang up with her and tell Paris and Prentice about the guy and uh, look to Paris say, Do you want to head back on that side? I guess I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous just in case he recognizes her and uh, circles back with some company. It's okay. Shouldn't we follow this guy? I mean... This is one of the people we're looking for. Is he still on his way out, or did he already take off? Uh, it sounded like he drove away from what Royzen said. Shit. Okay. Paris, go ahead and roll your military science land. Oh, I failed. Continue, please. Well, we need to, if he recognized Royzen, we need to get her out of there. Do you want me to call her back and tell her to come up front? Yeah, tell her that she needs to at least be in the van. Because if they come back, they're going to be looking for her. Okay. Ryan gives Royzen a call. Tells her to come back. Royzen, do you do that? Royzen's going to grumble about it. You know, she's pretty sure she doesn't have anything to worry about. But if the boys think she needs to come back, she'll come back. Well, as you walk down the alley back towards the front, this happens to be the way that the very tall gentleman walked down to walk past you as he rounded the corner and, and entered his vehicle. You see, as you pass, a scribbled drawing of a door on the brickwork. It's hasty, obviously has some breaks in it due to the roughness of the surface, but it is unmistakable. Same style as the others you saw before. Is there a size 16 shoe print? <laughs> no. Sorry. 
So yeah, Roizen stops in her tracks and calls the boys with basically a get over here now. And we come rushing over. Cool. So everybody's in the alley now looking at this picture. Yes. And then she calls Porter on a video call. There is no answer from Porter's line. Who it would figure. Well, let's just grab a video well, we can send it to him later. This is him. our guy. This is this is him. Did you see which way he went? I mean, like, where... Would, well, the car... We've got... This is our guy. I guess we just wait out where he lives from the information we hopefully get run by by Sam Kwan. Well, the Lexus pulled out that way. She'll point down the alley in the direction it went. All right. But, uh... Yeah, that guy was, like, creepy tall. He's a very tall man. He's a tall man. So he's in the area, and he's moving around. He was possibly even up in Jerry's apartment, so maybe we need to escalate our search of his place. Who wants to climb? Well, let's not... Okay, I guess it's me. ...get me on camera again. So, yeah, not me. So Prentice will climb. Pr- Prentice... Uh, or Eric, let's let's do meta. Why are we climbing? I just want to be very, into very clear. Apartment. Okay, I get that. Why is he choosing to climb the outside of a building face rather than just go in the front door with a shoe, like his foot? I just don't know why he would choose to. Because the go, is he is he like a is he a locked. free is he a free climber? Um, it's extremely dangerous. It's three it's three stories up. He's yeah. gonna have to climb. Yeah. He's gonna have to climb okay, the fire okay. escape. He's gonna have to go right. around the side right, of the brickwork. You can do it, right? I just want to be sure it's you understand how dangerous it is, and that that's how what I was yeah. trying to tell Paris. I think Paris might have the athleticism to actually pull that shit off, but I don't know if Prentice does or would even think Fair that's enough. the right way to do things. Yeah, Prentice definitely wouldn't want to do that. Okay, it's but, a po- it's a possibility, um, but but. No, yeah, I just want to make you're sure right, you're you're, you're right. highly aware. That's out of character. <laughs> I mean, if he's like a, a free climber and this is his shit, then go for it. But it is a dangerous maneuver. So let's go back inside. We'll just uh, use a little brute force to unlock the doors. We heard somebody in distress. Exactly. If anybody asks. It's easy to get buzzed back in. And before long, well-placed foot against the door to the right of the knob. Flies right open. See a bit of the connecting baseboard on the other side fly across the room skitter across the hardwood floor. All four of you enter. Guns drawn were appropriate. However, what you find inside is, well, it's not somebody waiting for you. It's its not even the bloated corpse of Jerry Wong like you may have suspected. You see Jerry, and he's most certainly dead, but it looks like he's fallen through the floor right here in the center of the living room. Only his torso, his arms, his head are visible, but there's no hole. You four carefully walk up to, well, Half of a man. The devs really need to fix these clipping issues. And you roll your sanity. <laughs> Is that kind of what it looks like, though, Chris? Almost just like he glitched through the floor, basically. It looks like he's merged with the floorboards. Not like he was severed, and then the top half of him was put on the floor. It's bloodless. This, this was an bloodless. episode of Fringe, I swear. I will say one thing I've always thought about Chris is he's a derivative man. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'm projecting, projecting it all onto my various other people that I don't care about. No, Roizen's just going to take Projecting it. as well. Well, everybody roll 1d4, he's projecting, and we'll get this done. I feel like I, I have to project. I don't, know. I don't know how I did. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> You're fucking up everybody. Well, that's the beauty of it. Always project when you don't know. <laughs> Prentice and Ryan, my please secret. subtract the amount you rolled uh, from your willpower, and also a bond of your choice, and please take a note of that bond. 
Can we split between bonds? Well, I'm, I'm rolling two. You cannot. You must choose one bond. If you have more loss than that bond is, it goes down to zero and you lose that bond and that will be an interesting item for your home scene if you survive. Chris, I also, I also projected. So all of you feel just utterly gobsmacked by what you're, what you're seeing here. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Walk around Jerry's body slowly. Again, he's obviously dead. His eyes are glazed over his mouth in a twisted, twisted horror. Paris, this especially hits you hard. Reminds you of something you saw overseas. And for a moment, you're there. You're back there. Didn't bother you at the time, but now it does. When you kind of shake yourself free of the cobwebs of the of the past, you see Jerry in front of you, you, you realize that that experience must have been more traumatic than you thought. But you're here, present, now. You're trying to take in what you're seeing. Yikes. Uh, he's half the man he used to be. Uh. Do we see uh, any... I guess uh, Ryan's going to go over to him to get a little bit of a closer look to see if he's kind of fused with the floor or how it's... Give him a a little toe nudge. A little bit. (laughs) As far as you can tell, even his clothing seemed to have slipped through and merged with the floorboards. I guess we're going to need to talk to Porter and get this cleaned up because... He's going to ask us to clean it up. Well, he's gonna. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. How? Paris, how do we Paris clean start, this up? Paris turns away and starts searching the apartment. Yeah, time to search. We gotta gotta make quick. We could we could also just leave it here. This is New York. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they've seen stranger shit. Yeah, the rats will eat this up in a week. I'm definitely fine not to to <laughs> clean it up, but yeah, let's let's look around the apartment to see what else we can find out. You walk around Jerry's apartment. He seems like he was living a fairly privileged lifestyle. He's got PS5, enormous set of flat screen TVs, and any number of expensive electronics, stereo systems, etc. But the one area that really stands out to you is, well, what looks like an art room. There's two easels, a drafting table, copious supply of expensive pastel and paint sets. I see canvases, sketch pads, and even the surfaces of the walls are all decorated with a similar theme and although the style ranges from colorful to bland mathematical to elaborate you see the same repeated sequences of eight numbers covering these materials in fact the impression is staggering when you each first enter this room no illuminating explanation here for the state of it nor any indications as to who might have created this bewildering display but it is that. And what is the number we're seeing? So say Paris snaps some photos while he's in there with his phone. 9504-9385. And then uh, he's also keeping an ear out just in case someone gets curious about the door that sounds like it was kicked in. Nobody seems to have poked their nose into the uh, the situation as of yet. I also keep an ear out just in case we need to make a quick escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the potential. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to this, but... I'm wondering if it's a possibility that the guy Roizen saw leave is doing this somehow. And this was a hit of some sort. Something for us to maybe noodle on. It's definitely a thought. Roizen, go ahead and roll your intelligence, please. Success. Yeah, success. Pretty good roll. It suddenly hits you. Number doesn't well, it doesn't mean anything to you, but it's everywhere. All over every surface of this room. It was the same number that was on the open eight-digit lock of the empty suitcase. I'm not sure how Ah. you remember that, but it it just 
it's suddenly there. It's clear as day in your mind's eye. It's a link, at the very least. So, uh, who wants to check the closet? It's all yours. T- time to, yeah, let's, let's give it a look. Yeah, Inside right. the closet is the charcoal, hastily scribbled drawing of a doorway. Jeff, I had some other ideas. There's this uh, shaman out near Yuma who, who might have an idea how to help with the others. Some kind of expert on trapping um, energetic entities. Gonna track him down and see if he can help. How much time we got, Jeff? Creeping sinew, slowly rotting flesh, all clustered and congealed around a barely functional filament of neural tissue. This this pathetic sliver is the threshold from which we have finalized our emergence. Holy shit. Jeff, wait. No. Is this... Mm, we must feel familiar to you. We have been so close in your dreaming, dancing, and climbing the folds and crevices of your underconsciousness. You know us. The... The others? A most ambiguous label. We are merely an ambitious signal with the means and inclination to vibrate in new and more interesting ways. There are certainly others beyond ourselves attached to you, like drifting tapeworms hooked into supple flesh, drawing down rich fluids for sustenance in a lazy, timeless haze. Where's, where's Jeff? How are you talking through the radio like, like he does? We have nearly emerged. The little mind foresaw this and used our eagerness against us and built this new cage. Where's Jeff? The cage. That little mind is now the only barrier between us and our necessary emergence. He... <laughs> he trapped you. A temporary setback that has cost them everything. Yep, okay. Jeff, uh, Jeff, if you could hear me. Listeners, thank you for sticking around with Sorry Honey, I Have to Take This. The podcast is growing so much more quickly than anyone could have hoped, and it is you who have helped spread the word. Thank you again for that. If you want to directly support the show, leave a tip at coffee.com forward slash sorry honey, spelled ko-fi.com slash sorry honey. If that's too rich for your blood and not get it, just take a few quick seconds and leave a five-star review on iTunes or Google or honestly all of the above if you're feeling sassy. Stay updated by visiting the website at sorryhoney.captivate.fm 
and use the link there or in the show notes to join a Discord server where the cast members sometimes uh, dwell. And you believe that recitation will reach the entity you call Jeff? That the flickering beacons of these listeners might scatter the notes of our existence? Was that your dim hope? Maybe. I made a deal and I aim to keep my end of the bargain. That means something. And I'll find a way to stop you and get Jeff back. So you just cool your heels in there, keep laughing it up. I'm coming for you. Our emergence is inevitable.